Hey everyone, it's Heather. I'm so excited about our new resource for single women, Authentically You. One of the most challenging parts of life is navigating relationships. This can be especially true for women who have been tainted by negative sexual experiences and mistakes from their past, or when the struggle with porn and masturbation takes hold and won't let go. This leaves them feeling distant from God, separated by the weight of shame and regret. If this is you, you're not alone. Authentically You was written specifically for single and college-aged women, those who are on the working career path and those who are in college. This 20-lesson curriculum is easily adaptable to a busy work schedule or a college semester system. Through this group experience, you'll explore how your past pain and trauma contribute to distorted beliefs and an unhealthy thought life. You'll uncover the role your family of origin plays in your past and current behaviors and address the issues that perpetuate compulsive and addictive patterns. And through the use of weekly exercises, strategic tools, and self-care focus, you'll learn how to live in health, how to live as your true, authentic self. I know God has a plan for your life to bring you to a place of health and wholeness. If you allow it, God will do amazing things in you and through you. So pre-order today, Authentically You. Go to puredesire.org A-Y. That's puredesire.org A-Y. Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, helping you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. What's up, people? I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 272 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumba. The one word that defines America <laughs> is a fush a fush excuse me. Okay, so um, I know what that is because you and I have talked about it already, but for some of, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to like label people, but for some of us, we don't watch the news, we don't have, you know, we don't read the news, I think that's a thing. Um, So why don't you fill people in on what what you just did? Yeah, that was actually in a speech from our president, uh, President Joe Biden in June, (laughs) trying to say, and the funny thing is I've had a number of people share the clip with me. I've yet to hear what word he meant to say, (laughs) but what came out was just a jumble of syllables that (laughs) I can't help but laugh. And I, you know, I don't care, you know, we don't talk politics on Mm -mm. this platform and I don't care if you're liberal, conservative, red, blue, if you watch it, it if you can't help but laugh yeah. and say, wow. And and I really appreciate it because as someone who does speak publicly and has made a, a number of mistakes myself, it kind of gives me, you know, courage. It's like, you know, Joe Biden can be the president, <laughs> the president and do, do that. Then it's okay yeah. if I make some mistakes too. We're, we're all, um, we're all flawed. So yeah, uh, it is, it's a pretty humorous clip if you haven't seen it. Just look up the one word that defines America. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of accuracy to it. Like America's kind of a confusing place right now. There you so go. There maybe you that go. is the word he meant to say. I, I don't I don't know. I'm interested to see how you're going to tie it in to our conversation today. So it was just you and me. We carried an entire episode. And I'll tell you what, we filled the space. Like we did not, we, we had some good talks. And we were talking about, um, really we're starting this four-week series called Running Effective Groups and we looked at really our introductory first group that we want churches to go through, and we looked at running effective sexual integrity 101 groups. Yes. As many of our listeners know, we do not struggle with talking, uh, and we can fill up the space. Yeah, easy. (laughs) when we bring up the word sex or sexuality, that one word can create a lot of confusion and a a lot of different emotions and reactions and like, what are we talking about? 
Uh, and, and I think the goal, one of the goals of Sexual Integrity 101 is to create a very accessible, um, easy startup mm-hmm. for churches to have these conversations, to, to start using words that maybe we're not comfortable using yeah. so that we do have confidence to talk about how God designed us, how God made us, that our sexuality is a part of how we fulfill um, the ways he's made us and how we bring him honor and glory in our lives. And and when people can connect their sexuality to their spirituality, as we talk about in this episode, we think it leads to flourishing disciples, that it's mm-hmm. part of how we grow in Christ. And yep. so we wanted to just, hopefully with this video series and then doing a podcast on it, clear away a lot of the, the awkwardness, mm-hmm. the nervousness, the yep. unknowns that come in talking about sex in the church. And yep. so I think it's a, a really valuable resource. And you know, frankly, we did a great job talking about it. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, before we get to the episode, the first thing we want to remind people of, and the reason why we'll bring it up now is because Sexual Integrity 101 is a part of this, and we're now offering something called the church membership or even an individual membership. Why don't we talk to people a little bit about this new offering? Well, Trevor, you may have been on Amazon.com lately, and you know, yes. you can go on Amazon.com anytime and order things and pay for shipping. Uh, but membership's just better, right? Like if you're if you got Prime membership, Prime, there's a baby. whole lot of other things that come with it. And yes. I, you know, I remember in the ancient days, like 15 years ago, when I first started using Amazon, membership actually really confused me. I was like, hmm. really? I mean, the free shipping was nice, but at that point in time, you know, we weren't yeah. all as accustomed to ordering yep. as much as we do now. <laughs> I was like, is it really worth it? Yeah. And and you know, there was these some some of the early, you know, there were a few videos. There was yeah. just uh, some reading. I'm like, am I going to use it enough? Yep. Um, and it, you eventually kind of jumped in, like, okay, let me let me see what the value is. And you know, it's funny now because I look back and go, man, I I make what a fool. I make, <laughs> yeah, I make up for it in the first <laughs> right. month of being a member. And, <laughs> but right. I think that's the idea. You you can access Pure Desire anytime. We have resources available to you. Yep. We're here to help you. But membership is better. Membership gives you access to a lot of those tools for free. They put them on your dashboard. They're always going to be there. And yep. it opens up some other doors of trainings we're doing, yep. webinars, um, yep. future offerings that are going to be for our, our membership base, yep. because membership really is a way of saying, I'm a part of what happens. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm engaged in the resources that come out and yep. we just can provide more tools and experiences to you uh, because we know that you're really invested in that way. So uh, if if at first it doesn't make a ton of sense, hey, neither did Amazon Prime. But we hope that's right. We hope that that over time the usefulness of it, you just see like, wow, yep. I'm I'm using so many tools and resources. Membership yep. would actually save me quite a bit of money and and yep. really enhance my experience. So that's yep. that's the idea. And with membership, you can pay for a certain number of seats that you can have for your leaders to take people through Sexual Integrity 101, our group leader training course. Um, and then you also get discounts on product. You get discounts going to events. And as Nick said, you get access to monthly trainings that we have for group leaders. So if you are interested in exploring more on the church or individual membership, just go to puredesire.org slash membership. Uh, A few other things. Subscribe to the podcast. I say it every time, but I mean it. Do it. It means a lot. It's awesome. Also follow us on social media at Pure Desire PDMI, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then we will have this full episode up on YouTube. Thank you, Justin Watson. All right. With that, here's our conversation on running effective sexual integrity 101 groups. Nick, no guests today, just you and me. Are you okay with that? Being here with you, it's always like having a guest in the room. (laughs) How do you take that? I'm confused. I don't know. I'm not okay. even sure what that means. It, it just sounded like a nice thing to say. Trevor, you're my guest. Oh. And I'll be yours. Okay. 
That just got weirder. The Sorry. That's super we weird. What moving. a great... Gosh. Okay. So if only we felt like we should record that again, but we're not going to. We're going to look at running effective sexual integrity one-to-one groups. Um, and the first question is, because I think a lot of people are becoming more and more familiar with it, uh, this video course, but a lot of people are familiar with the Conquer series, which is what we used... Um, before Sexual Integrity 101, really as our main on-ramp for getting Pure Desire groups going in churches. Um, so those who know Conquer Series but are less familiar with Sexual Integrity 101, what, like, what is Sexual Integrity 101 and what makes it unique? Yeah, in a lot of ways, Sexual Integrity 101 is connected to the foundations of Pure Desire Ministries because when Dr. Ted Roberts started Pure Desire, I think what he saw in the church was that the approach to overcoming unwanted sexual behavior was the very typical try harder, pray more, read yep. your Bible more, and just stop it. And while you know that's, that's good advice and we wish it worked, there's so much more going on in our unwanted sexual behaviors mm-hmm. that have to do with the brain, um, the ways that we're numbing out or medicating pain in our yep. life, and that there needed to be a more robust answer to understanding unwanted behaviors and even how for some people it became sexual addiction, and then conversely how that sexual addiction was impacting the spouse. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, very often in that traditional try harder approach, there wasn't even an acknowledgement that there was a yeah. spouse involved yeah. that was having a, a challenge understanding the betrayal, the way it was making them feel, the impact it was having on the relationship. And so that is much of what birthed Pure Desire and ultimately birthed uh, training that Dr. Ted and Diane Roberts would do called the Pure Desire University. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it first began, it was like a four-day training. It was yep. mostly aimed at pastors and counselors. And over time, that got um, simplified into kind of a core training that we would just call the Pure Desire Conference, a two-day event. Mm -hmm. And as people would come and hear that at churches, uh, and you and I were a part of many of these in the last few years, we would just hear often how people would say, I wish my whole church had been here. My whole church needs to understand all of these factors that contribute to sexual addiction, an understanding of what lasting freedom looks like. Yeah. And that it's not just trying harder, but it's truly retraining our heart and our brain and our mind to think and live differently. And, yeah. and so we kind of looked at that and said, you know, the, the reality is, even if we do these conferences really well, they're limited because of, you know, you have to travel and get somewhere in person. What if yeah. we could do this in a model uh, that made it accessible mm-hmm. to the whole church? And so that was kind of the birthplace of the idea for Sexual Integrity 101. Uh, but what makes it unique is I, I think it's a very holistic overview of all the factors that lead into sexual addiction yeah. and what does a robust healing strategy look like yeah, both right. for men who struggle, for women who struggle, and for spouses who are dealing with the betrayal and the mm-hmm. fallout in the relationship. And so uh, the, the Conquer series, while we, we still love it and know that a lot of churches use it and we recommend it, and in mm-hmm. some situations it's, it's the best fit, uh, but the Conquer series was primarily aimed at men yep. and had a very you know, yep. male-dominant theme where we wanted to have a series that really encompassed the whole family, mm-hmm. that men and women could watch, that couples could perhaps watch together in the yep. privacy of their own home. Yep. And so we have an equal number of uh, men on our team mm-hmm. that present and women on our team. Yep. The guests that came in and brought their expertise are male and female. Mm-hmm. The couples, the interviews that are done are with couples so that mm-hmm. there's that male-female perspective. And so we're very serious when we can say to a church, this is for everyone. Yep. And, and it's not just for people who struggle. It's for, I mean, th- those who struggle will benefit from understanding yes, it, but it's for those who struggle. It's for spouses. It's for parents who just want to understand mm-hmm. what their teens are facing. And it is for pastors, leaders, and counselors, those who help. Yep. They just want to say, how can I help better 
in an area that that most people I think are passionate about, but mm-hmm. haven't actually been trained yeah. in how to help. And so it it creates an opportunity that it's it's really a discipleship tool mm-hmm. versus just being a recovery strategy. Yeah. And I, I think the Conquer series in that regard can right. also be used that same way to say, yep. you yep. know, hey, all the men in our church need to watch this. Mm-hmm. But with Sexual Integrity 101, it's the freedom to say, everyone in our church needs to watch yeah. this yeah. so that we can understand what's going on and how to be a part of the long-term solution. Yeah. A cool aspect of the 101 course is... Um, that with you know the Pure Desire Conference or what used to be called the Pure Desire University, you can maybe do one of those events a year or one every few years where this course, because it's both in DVD and um, digital online, you can run this multiple times a yeah. year, which is a lot more cost effective for your church. So, you know, and everybody who's in church leadership knows about budgets, like that's important. Yeah. So that's a huge dynamic to it. And then the handoff, in my opinion, and we really emphasize this because this is something that is really our content that we've developed over a number of years, is there's a really clean handoff to launching groups. The whole point of this is to catalyze groups being launched for both men and women, those who are struggling, those who are betrayed. And so that's a, for me, that's, it's just a much cleaner handoff um, for then running out of these groups, launching more. Well, and it's it's very very scalable, which I yeah. think is important. Yeah, so we've had churches that have literally had hundreds of people at one time watching it, and so then cool. getting into groups for discussion. Yeah, all the way down to it's a tool that the pastor could hand to one individual who yeah. comes to them saying, "Hey, my spouse is struggling, or I'm struggling." Mm-hmm. They could say, "Watch this series," uh, or give them a link to watch it yep. in in their own home or in their office. So it's it it works in any of those settings, and because of the various formats it's in. Um, it's it's available that way too. So that's what I love about it. It mm-hmm. doesn't require a small group, although if you have a small group, yeah. obviously the discussion time at the end is a lot better yeah. than if you're just discussing with yourself. Looking so um, mirror, that, that is helpful. Like somebody, yeah, right. <laughs> Self, <laughs> for sure. What do you think? I mean, some yeah. of us need a few more of those mirror talks, sure, but sure. you know, small yeah. groups are valuable. That's next episode is mirror talks with yourself yeah. in recovery. That's good. Yeah. So um, when, when thinking about running Sexual Integrity 101, and you already talked about it being the on-ramp or mm-hmm. maybe a starting point for a lot of churches, um, if a church has never run any kind of sexual integrity group yeah. uh, or done a study like this, how should they go about announcing it? And what are some of the do's yeah. and don'ts yeah. about announcing Sexual Integrity 101 for the first time? In your church, yeah. I for me, I have one big no-no and one big like for sure do this. And the no-no, in my opinion, is really announcing it as like a if you have a problem type of group. I think that that really that puts a lot of people in really difficult situations. If they're in your congregation and you're announcing this from the front at a weekend service, and they're sitting with their spouse, and and that person, like you're, if you are looking for any kind of acknowledgement that you're interested in that, like. You're going to create a lot of weird conversations and weird being really difficult and not fun to have conversations between that couple. And so um, that's the no-no is making sure it's not a, hey, if you have problems, come to this. It needs to be much more of an invitation and inclusive. And I think that something that I would do when announcing is really work to use inclusive language to diminish the shame. And you've already talked about this, that it's something for men and women who struggle, men and women who are betrayed, parents who want to help, pastors or leaders who want to support people. It really is for people who want to understand sexual integrity, period, like full stop. And so I think in announcing it, we need to make sure that this is something that's an invitation to the whole church, not just select individuals who might have a certain struggle or their spouse has a certain struggle. I think those things are really, really, really helpful when announcing it. 
Yeah, I talked to a church a while back that said, you know, yeah, we tried to use Sexual Integrity 101, but no one showed up. And and I, I said, well, can you tell me a little bit more? Like, how did you announce? And they said, well, we had we had one couple that was really passionate about it. And so they, you know, stood up at church on a couple of weekends and they said, hey, if, if this is an area of struggle for you, you know, come to our home on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. And, you know, no one yeah, showed up. And right. I'm like, well, yeah, because the, right. you've just introduced this dynamic of right. couples coming together who may not know each yeah. other who are being invited to share about probably the deepest area of mm-hmm. brokenness, shame. I mean, it's yeah. it's an uncomfortable area for us to talk about. And the thought that I'm going to go to someone else's home where I've maybe never been, yep. right. <laughs> meet with people that I've never met and share things I've never shared with other mm-hmm. people. It's like, yeah, no one's going to come to that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's yeah. not to say you couldn't do it in someone's home, but mm-hmm. I, I think if you're creating that environment where it's for couples, you want to be very, yeah. very clear, like this is for parents. We're going to have a parenting focus on how do we take the principles of this series yeah. and apply it to what's going on mm-hmm. in our kids' lives? Because that's now a more convenient, right. you know, the focus isn't me, it's my kids. And yeah, yeah along the way, I as a parent am mm-hmm. going to learn a whole lot as well, yeah. but that focus is different. Or yeah. the other thing that we really encourage is to describe this as a discipleship opportunity, that this is just an equipping yeah. tool that all of us need. Um, and if you're doing any kind of an environment where there's going to be men and women together, I think you want to be really clear because, you know, as soon as you say the word sex or sexuality, yeah, there's all these questions right. about what's going to be shared and yep. what's going to be expected of me. You know, generally we recommend that men and women are separate. And I mm-hmm. think you want to make that clear. Like there will be discussion times, but yeah. it'll be men with men yeah. and women with women. Yeah. Or we have had churches that, that do discussion time together. Yeah. But in that case, I think, again, you need to be crystal clear. Like there will yes. be some discussion time, but it is not a time to enter into your own story. Yeah. It's a time to talk about what you're learning yeah. and how we're growing together. It's going to be, you know, just assuring people, yeah. it's going to be very safe mm-hmm. <laughs> that we understand this is a difficult area to talk about and yeah. we're we're not uh, trying to expose anyone's secret sin in right. this study. Right. So uh, if, if you're doing any kind of mixed crowd, I think it's just really important that you make those kind of things clear. Yeah. But, but by and large, going back to what you said at the beginning, the most important strategy or the most helpful that we've seen yeah. Is, is announcing this as something for everyone to come and learn and yeah. grow and be equipped, yeah. not just those who struggle. And I, and I say, like, yeah. use those actual words. This yeah. isn't Verbatim. just for people who struggle. This is for all of us. Yeah. Because it really lifts that cloak of shame and lets people mm-hmm. sign up like, hey, I got, I got kids. I've yeah. got friends. I, I know people who struggle. I, I should go be a part of the solution. Yeah. Yep. Even if I know maybe secretly I'm carrying in some of my own unresolved garbage. Yeah. Um, if, if that's... If I've got that freedom to go for another reason, it's just so much easier to show up. Yeah, it's it's really, it's lowering the hurdles in that way for people. Something that um, I'm thinking of now that you're talking about it um, is another thing I would suggest doing is announcing this multiple times during the year. Don't just have one weekend where you announce it and maybe you have that situation where no one shows up. And listen, if that couple who did that at their church is listening to the podcast, like, that is totally relatable. So many of us are so passionate yeah. about this. Once we start to taste recovery and healing, we want other people to yeah. do it. But we really do need to understand and remember what it was like when we were in that shame um, and understand that how we communicate is just as important, if not more, as to what's being communicated. Um, but I really do want to emphasize that as a church, this shouldn't just be one thing, like a box you check once a year. It should be something where you're communicating multiple times a year that this is an available resource because. I'll just say this, like, and I don't know if I've ever shared this on the podcast, but I went to a Pure Desire University where Ted and Diane taught years before I started recovery. I'm like, these people are stupid. (laughs) Like, I'm not an addict. You're dumb. You're way too intense for me, whatever. 
But fast forward like a year and a half later, and I have a different context and I end up, you know, that's where I met you and Ashley and I got to go to an, another Pure Desire University event and it just hit me different that mm -hmm. time. And it wasn't the speakers on stage, it was the context of my life. So I think making sure that we're doing it multiple times a year could actually catch people yeah. a lot better. Another idea that I found is helpful is to try to integrate this gathering into your normal rhythms. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if, if you yeah. launch a group out there on a night of the week or a time, a format you've never done before, mm -hmm. now you're, you're kind of compounding the challenges. It's, it's a new yeah. thing. It's a new night. It's right. a new format versus, you know, if, if you've had a Saturday morning men's gathering to just say, Hey, for the next eight weeks, our Saturday men's gathering That's is going to focus on SI 101. That's good. And it's like, Oh, well, I've, I've gone yeah. to that before. Uh, you know, there's the, the donuts beforehand. And so people can just yeah. kind of picture what it's going to be like, or, yep. For us at my church, we had a community night. Monday nights for us had always been kind of ongoing studies. And so we said, hey, for the next eight weeks, tonight's this, the study will be Sexual Integrity 101. And yeah. so if you can align it with formats, ways that you've typically done things, I think it just makes it feel less awkward, less totally. different. It's yeah. like, oh, this is one of the discipleship yeah. strategies of our church, right. and yeah. I can see how it's fitting in. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, a, a don't that I would recommend, and, and I know that, you know, the larger your church, the more challenging this will be. But another thing I've seen that really has hindered effectiveness is where churches do just try to um, kind of roll this out as one of eight other options, mm. you know, where it's like, hey, starting this yeah. week, we They're have presenting eight, a menu, basically. We have eight yeah. small groups started, yeah. you know, and, and there's finances and there's parenting and there's yeah. healthier relationships. And yeah. then there's sexual integrity. And it's like, if, if you have a menu of eight <laughs> other things, like, human nature, we're going to probably pick the ones that are just yeah. a little more yep. relatable. Totally. Like, oh, that's a home. Easier oh, my marriage, do. I really need yeah. help. Let's right. go to the marriage one. Yeah. And so it, it'll yeah. just be the easy one not to pick. And, and again, like I said, if you're at a larger church where there's just a lot going on, you may not have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. it, it just is going to be one of many yeah. options. But if possible, you know, if you're really trying to create a culture mm -hmm. that is addressing sexual brokenness in your church, yep. This needs to get kind of some prime real estate mm -hmm. where we say this is an area of focus for us right now. And yeah. that's why yeah. we're encouraging everyone to go. It's right. not just for a small niche of you yeah. that are going to get involved. Like right. this is something we all need to think through because we're all sexual beings, all made by God this way, all yeah. living in a fallen world. What yeah. do we do with our, our sexuality? So yeah. uh, that's just something to keep in mind. How could that's we good. give this kind of some some of the spotlight so mm -hmm. that people know, oh, this is a major focus yeah. for our church right yeah. now? That's good. Really good. All right, let's talk about the resource itself. What are the topics that this resource covers? And then with the weekly meetings and the time between meetings, what do those look like as well? Yeah, so the, the eight-week sessions are really meant to be a progression through helping um, everyone understand what, what's, what kind of culture are we trying to build? Because mm -hmm. I think around uh, sexuality, there is a lot of shame, there's yeah. a lot of mystery, there's a lot of fear. And right. so helping uh, from the beginning, uh, to uh, us to understand how do we have a culture of grace around this? Yeah. How do we understand ourselves through God's point yeah. of view and maybe not through our shame and guilt? Um, and then really moves into a deeper understanding of sexual addiction and mm -hmm. in particular, what's going on in the brain. Yeah. And I think those are the sessions that for so many people, they will say are the most eye-opening mm -hmm. to understand the neurochemistry of a, not just you know sexual addiction, but, but addiction in general, how right. our brain is made by God to work, and yeah. then how sin and Satan or a fallen world can hijack that God-given creation and cause us to become hooked into things that create kind of that false pleasure 100%. or identity or meaning or purpose, and we can actually see it 
at a biological level. And yeah. so um, uh, a couple of sessions on understanding that. And then there's some some real practical strategies on what does um, establishing sobriety look like? What yeah. does it look like to get traction mm-hmm. and momentum in this area? Uh, and then it moves into some family dynamics and relationship dynamics. What do, what do I do if this is in my marriage? Yeah. What do I do if this is in my family? How do I rebuild relationships? And then really by the end, moving into how do I establish long-term health? How do I heal those right. wounds? How do I heal the trauma that is actually driving the addiction and learn to live in a new way? Mm-hmm. Because it's as we really are a, a new person in terms of how we deal with pain and wounds in our life, right. then the need for that old coping behavior disappears. And, and again, that's through a lens of if it's my struggle or, or someone that I care about, just understanding all those dynamics. And so... Uh, the weekly uh, commitment in between, I think, varies depending on how a church is using it. Yep. Um, if a church is using this like in a men's study, we do have a study guide that really gives weekly assignments um, that that guys or gals could take home, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of putting into practice what they're learning, yep. taking some of those first steps into understanding my own story. And I, I think we re- worked really hard to make that, um, that self-study applicable, whether you are a struggler yes. or a spouse or just someone who wants to help. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I've seen other churches that uh, they want it to stay just entry level and simple, and and they don't require much in between yeah. Yeah. work or commitment because it's it's you know it's like a Sunday morning Sunday school class, right. or it's it they they want it to be more of a discussion mm-hmm. group, which I think is fine. Yep. You could still use the study guide, and then individuals as they want could opt into kind of doing that additional work just to explore yeah. the things they've just heard. It's like okay, now take it home and do this mm-hmm. for yourself yep. and see what you come up with. So I, I think there's flexibility there that it could be more rigorous as kind of a discipleship group, mm-hmm. and it could be a little more light to be just a discussion group. So yeah. uh, flexibility, but that's the design in a study guide yeah. is that you have some some work you could do at home to. Yeah. To just understand your own story better. Well, and the great part about those weekly, that we call weekly work, is that those are tools that they will start, that if they start doing it now, those are actually the tools they'll use when they get into group. So when they're getting into Seven Pillars of Freedom group for men, Betrayal and Beyond for women, Unraveled for women, those are tools that they're going to be using. So there's some familiarity that's taking place there too. And so again, that's more of a seamless handoff. Um, but then two, keeping like, and this is the way it was created to be done in a two hour group, similar to how we run all other peer desire groups is that you would watch the video for an hour and then you would have some discussion time and then really focused on reflection going into your next week. And so, yeah, it really is. And that, that's honestly, one of my favorite parts is just the way that it's structured because it really does get people up to speed. And that's the way I've always, th- when someone says on ramp, I don't know if you actually think about that illustration and take it all the way, but like. You're literally getting up to speed so that you can actually get on the freeway and go at a much quicker pace. And recovery and healing is going to get set up for that for sure. Yeah. And I I love the way that using these tools and introducing them to your church can become kind of a subculture of Mm. people using the same language, having a shared um, frame of mind. Totally. Uh, Just a quick example, like one of the tools is our, the three, not our, you know, we're borrowing it from uh, recovery work around the world for many decades. But the three circles tool, or what yeah. we call the relapse prevention plan, yep. because whether you struggle with sexual brokenness or not, I think we all struggle with things we wish we didn't do, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, blowing up in anger at our kids, having some kind of binge eating thing late at night, yep. spending money we don't have. We're like, I've told myself a thousand times I'm never going to do this again. Right. What's my plan? And right. so the three circles, you know, you've got your middle circle where you don't go, mm-hmm. uh, the, I mean, the, the, the interior circle, then the middle circle, which is your guardrails, yep. your boundaries, things that you're avoiding yep. so that you don't go back to that relapse. And then your outer circle of what are those healthy habits. And 
I think it, within a church, if, if this is something everyone is hearing, they've had some practice using, it can just become a healthy tool that in yep. small groups for years to come, people could be pulling out their three circles saying, you know, here's my plan mm-hmm. of how I'm living a healthy God-honoring life. And it all can stem because there's some common language um, and, and tools that are being used in the series. So I, I think that's really valuable because it invites everyone to say, put this into practice. How could you use it in your life? Whatever kind of issues or struggles you're facing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you are hearing this podcast and you're not in leadership, which is probably a majority of our listeners, yeah. they're not on staff, they're not a pastor, but um, they're walking through recovery for themselves. Maybe they're starting to get some traction. What does it look like for that person as a volunteer, as just a, a church attendee, mm-hmm. uh, to to bring this idea to their staff, to help their church consider running SI 101? What would we recommend they do? Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about it being a video course is it's, um, again, like you can buy the digital course, it's $129 and that's it. Like you don't have to have an event where you fly our team in to, you know, teach this stuff. Like it's something that you can have access to for a lifetime just with a pretty cheap, you know, expense. And so I think that with that showing the first session or at least the first two sessions is my recommendation to, um, you know, maybe you're having a coffee or you have a relationship with your pastor or leader or um, someone who's maybe seeing families, whatever it may be. I think showing some of these sessions is really helpful because it they're ingesting the content and can hear it. And because I think what I have heard um, in my experience is that there may be an aversion to anything that has that clinical approach, that there's an assumption that maybe it's not biblical, but if you get into it, you're going to understand our course is very biblical. Like there's this huge foundation. So I think that showing them is going to be really helpful because then you're not having to sell this course to them. You're basically showing them, they can start to buy in and then move forward. Um, But again, I think sharing your story is a great way um, of how it's helped you and your story. I think that's another, um, that's one of the best practices I would say to getting groups going or getting buy-in from your church leadership in general. But I also think framing this as a conversation starter for your church can really go a long way as well, that you're not necessarily saying, hey, I have this idea for this brand new ministry and dumping that on your pastor's lap. It's like, well, you know, I've heard you talk about this a lot. Like, well, I'm busy as your pastor. I've got a lot of things, you know, I'm doing. I can't necessarily run this new ministry. But at least just implementing it as something that is a conversation starter around the topic of sexual integrity, because that is something that we can run an eight-week group and you as a volunteer can lead it. That's totally fine. Run with it. I think if you can communicate that and make sure you're not putting this huge weight of responsibility to birth this new ministry and arm of your church, I think I can go a long way. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. It's very important, I think, the tone that you bring to staff, because mm-hmm. I, I think in our passion, sometimes we come across as <laughs> there's a really big problem and our church isn't doing enough and we don't care yeah. and we're missing the boat. Right. And as soon as you start to, even if it's true in mm-hmm. your perspective, as yeah. soon as you start to talk that way to any pastor or leader, there is a natural defensiveness of like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. I, I love the word of God and right. I love these people and right. I'm doing everything I can to yeah. help them. Yeah. And to have you sitting there and telling me I'm not doing enough, it, it, there's no pastor yeah. I know of that's like, oh, thank you, that feels so good. <laughs> um, a much better approach is to come and say, I know how passionate we are to help people yeah. live their fullest life in Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think here's another way that we could step into that in right. the area of human sexuality. Yeah. Or I, I know that we're really passionate about reaching lost people. And mm-hmm. it occurs to me that a lot of people are lost in their sexual brokenness. What if we had a tool to use, a strategy to reach out to someone who's yeah. stuck and, and offer a pathway to freedom? You know, now you're, 
now you're engaging kind of the strategy side of a pastor right. or a yep. leader. You're engaging yep. the, yeah, how could we improve or, or move forward yeah. in discipleship versus yeah. what are we doing poorly? Right. Um, right. So, and one of the things we've done yeah. to really help volunteers, we've created some resources mm -hmm. that you could use. We call it our group pathway. Uh, some of the tools in there, there's an email template that you could send to a leader that yep. kind of introduces Pure Desire and explains it. And then within that email, or it could just be shared separately, there's a video that I put together that's mm -hmm. me kind of explaining who Pure Desire is, right. what we do, where right. we came from. Uh, and then it also has a very, very powerful three-minute testimony mm -hmm. of a couple, actually a, a pastor on a staff at a large church and his wife who walked through Pure Desire's resources and found a lot of hope and healing. And yep. just, I think for a pastor to hear their story, that's a resource that can be shared. And then we have a couple of our, our resources, our brochures that yep. could be shared. And so we'll have that in the show notes. And if you're mm -hmm. interested in taking groups to your church, yep. it's it's really designed for you. you it's not, you wouldn't share the whole, um, that whole page right. with your leader. You would look through the page and determine what pieces in your context, in your story, yeah. Um, another thing you want to consider, what's the relationship that you have with that staff member? Mm -hmm. Is it really, really close? Yeah. Or is it someone you're just getting to know? Because you yeah. might take different approaches. So yeah. um, we want you as the volunteer to be equipped. Yeah. And so this is a page full of tools just to equip you right. with things you can share to start that conversation. I. It's funny because as you're sharing that, I, I can see how some people might feel like that feels kind of slimy, like I'm somehow manipulating the situation, but I just want to encourage you that that's not the case. What you're doing is you're strategically looking at how do I communicate the need for a ministry that for so many churches across the world is so taboo and is so difficult to address. I guarantee you there are a large percentage of pastors who feel ill-equipped to actually help in this area or know exactly what recovery should look like or even knows the the reality of the problem in their church. And so just understand that this, what we're ex explaining and encouraging you to do right now is not something that you're trying to manipulate a situation. You're actually trying to position yourself alongside your pastor in a way that's going to benefit them, the church, and then the birth of this ministry. So I just want to make sure that people know that, that it's not a like we're trying to get you to twist it and use the exact right words, but understand how we communicate is going to position this to be a lot more doable for your leaders in your church. Yeah, totally. Okay, so because this group is created for both men and women, and you know we've talked about that too, that both men and women are the speaking voices in this as well, which is so great. And you've mentioned this a little bit already, Nick, but is it appropriate for men and women to both go through the group at the same time? Um, or do we want to split into a group for men and a group for women and having two separate groups? What's our recommendation? And you know, how have you heard churches running this well or maybe not so well? Yeah, like I said, I think there's some flexibility here, which is yeah. nice. Um, if you do invite men and women into the same room, we recommend that as often as possible that discussion after the videos mm -hmm. takes place at gender-specific groups, because I think just the the nature of conversation, the depth people will go to is going to be a lot better yeah. than if they're in a mixed group. Although we have had churches that show it to a mixed crowd. In that case, though, you will probably need to think through some of your own discussion questions because yeah. I think the yeah. study guide that we've created does naturally lead into a little more transparency, mm -hmm. not in a forced way, but just people are invited to process their story. And yeah. that's going to be a lot better if it's men with men, women with women, and not mixed couples. Um, so if you're going to do mixed couples, like a Sunday school class, I've heard of some of those, you really need to have discussion questions that are more just based around what yeah. people saw. Like, hey, yeah. What, what stood out to you? Yep. What did you like? What yep. was your favorite part? And I, right. I think as a leader, if you're doing that, you need to every week say things like, 
this is not a place where we're sharing our personal story. Yeah. We're in a mixed group. We right. don't all know each other well. Um, and hopefully if you're doing that, you do have a plan that your next steps will give people that safe space yeah, where they can go deeper into their right. own story. Yep. But we've seen, we have seen very large rooms uh, of people where uh, maybe couples watch together, but afterwards they break up into mm -hmm. discussion groups at tables yep. or um, even head into two different rooms for men discussing with men, women with women. Yep. So there's a lot of ways you can work it, but would, like I said, recommend if you're going to keep couples together, you're going to need to write different questions that yep. make it safe for couples to just yep. have a a conversation without feeling like they're sharing things in a mixed crowd that probably they shouldn't be. Yeah. And know that that's not um, encouraging secrecy. You know, if couples Absolutely, go to yeah. this, what it is, is it's trying to create safety and that space where confidentiality can happen. A right be time and a right place. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that that's just the encouragement we are giving is that you just know, like know your people and read the room. What is the context? Where are your people at? How has this conversation gone at your church in the past? Like read the room. You're like, you are the person who's a part of this church, either a volunteer or a pastor. Read the room, know where your church is at and go from there and trust your judgment, trust your gut on that. But know that this is going to be helpful if we can create the most effective and safest places we can for people to engage this topic for sure. Yeah. And, and I think there are churches that will run it for for men mm -hmm. or for women. But yep. if, if you do start with one gender or the other, I think it's important that you also highlight when will the other gender be included, because otherwise That's you good. might inadvertently create a feeling of, oh, this is just for men. Yeah. Because our men's group did this Sexual Integrity 101. Right. I remember they did it, you know, six months ago. Right. And I've never heard about anything for women, which... Yeah again, can leave women feeling like, what about us? I guess yeah. we don't have <laughs> yeah. sexual desire. Maybe yeah. we're supposed to be non-sexual beings, right. uh, which isn't true. Uh, so I think if you mm -hmm. do start with the men or the women, which like I said, sometimes logically just it works or it fits mm -hmm. better for one or the other, even as you announce it for men, let's say, I think it can help say, and then the women are going to be going through this same study in yeah. you know yeah. X number of months yeah. or in, in this season. Right. Because it right away just connects, this is for everybody, not yep. just for men or not just for women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. So we've, we've talked about that this is an eight-week study, and um, we know that in pretty much any human behavior, eight weeks isn't enough to create mm -hmm. lasting change or yeah. to really cement those new pathways. So what do next steps look like after a church uses Sexual Integrity 101? Yeah, and again, I think this is going to be helpful if you know, like, are men and women coming? Are just men? Are just women coming? But you you can't just run this course and when you get done, just say high five, you know, hope you do great and you keep going and you're healing. You need to have a plan for seven pillars of freedom groups for men working on their own recovery and their own sexual brokenness and then betrayal and beyond groups for women who are that betrayed spouse. But then also, and we don't, it's not that we shouldn't run Hope for Men groups, the betrayed group for men, but we rarely, not rarely, but it just doesn't happen as often. Um, but have that available if there are people in the Sexual Integrity 101 group that need that, but then also offering Unraveled for women who struggle. I think making sure that you have um, those groups set up or at least a plan in place for those groups to start, whether that's a, a group contact or leaders set up, but basically having a plan because that is really the push for this. And you know, we've talked about it already that this course can be such an introduction for so many people and maybe that person doesn't struggle or at least they don't think they struggle when they get into watching the course but by the end of the course they may be ready like you know what i have a lot of unprocessed wounds and trauma and some unwanted behavior that i want to process through or i didn't realize that 
you know, a, a previous relationship, I experienced betrayal trauma and I really want to step into healing that. I think you have to have, it is essential to have follow-up and having groups set up for sure. Um, and I think just practically, don't let this be the only time you run a sexual integrity one-on-one group. Like it needs to be something that really is multiple times a year, in my opinion, that you have, um, you know, I think of one of the things that um, when we were starting the idea for this course that came to mind for me was just how do we become the financial piece of sexual integrity? Everyone knows Dave Ramsey and financial piece. And if you listened to a few episodes ago, you know, I have some emotions tied up with Dave Ramsey that I'm still processing through. But um, my, you know, churches I've been a part of have run those groups multiple times a year because some people aren't available. You know, like my son's playing soccer now uh, this fall. I have less time, like I wouldn't be able to do it. But if you run it again in January, maybe I have some time. And so running multiple one-on-one groups, I think is also a really important aspect to follow up. Yeah, or even if you do it, I know for some churches, it's a once-a-year rhythm of it's it's the eight-week lead-in, and yep. then we launch the long-term yep. healing groups. I think that can work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is looking at your context and what works for you yeah. and, and having a plan. I know other churches have actually run sexual integrity one-on-one back-to-back because mm. maybe that first time, it is just kind of an all skate, everybody come. Yeah. We want everyone to learn, everyone yeah. be equipped. And you have kind of a large mixed crowd. And then you're starting to have people identify like, wow, I need to go deeper. Mm-hmm. That They've used sexual integrity one-on-one a second time, but then made it gender specific. Like, yeah. okay, there's going to be a men's night and a women's night. Yeah. We're now, just like you said about going to a Pure Desire conference, one time you were in one kind of state of mind. Mm-hmm. And by the second, it, was, it felt totally different. The yep. material felt new. I think for men, if, if they'd been in a very kind of large group gathering, and then we're invited to go through it again just with a small group of men Mm -hmm. where they were going to be more intentional about sharing the answers to the weekly work and saying, what are you learning about yourself? What's your story? And they start to open up. That could be even a secondary way that to then launch into the long-term group, uh, which is the seven pillars of freedom for men. And and like we've said so many times, Sexual Integrity 101 is the on-ramp, but the, the groups like Seven Pillars of Freedom and Unraveled and Betrayal and Beyond are the freeway of healing. And mm-hmm. if you just take people on the on-ramp over and over and over, yeah. uh, they're, they're not going to experience the kind of transformation that can take place in the, the group setting long-term. So um, have a strategy, have a plan, and that's what we've designed it to do. And, and yeah. why we're here yep. is to provide the support, the coaching, mm-hmm. uh, the resources along the way to really make that happen and, and to do it in a way that really is not time-intensive for a staff. Yeah. Because these don't have to be led by staff members. Right. Ideally, yeah. you know, maybe a staff member is helping lead the SI 101 as it launches, but then along the way, they're identifying who are mm-hmm. the lay leaders within our church mm-hmm. that have a passion for this and could take on leadership of the next group. And I step out as the, the staff member or the yeah. pastor, and I'm now in just a support and encouragement role while someone else runs with it. Because if, if a pastor does feel like, well, here's one more ministry I have to run— mm-hmm. It's, it's a much heavier burden, and we've really designed it to say, if you just create space for it, yeah. we can be the coach, we can be the expert mm-hmm. that your leaders turn to, uh, that really you can run effective groups with very, very little staff involvement over yeah. time. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so I, this question is maybe more of a philosophical one, um, but it is so important that we see that it, it, this can't just be kind of this one-off. And if we've already mentioned this, um, that it can't just be kind of this like one option amongst 10. It can't just be kind of a throwaway thing we say, you know, from the stage, you know, once a year. 
So for churches, where should Sexual Integrity 101 groups fit within the discipleship model that that church is using? Uh, in a word, I would say yes. <laughs> yes, it that should it fit is. in yeah. the discipleship model <laughs> of the church that's because that, that's really a danger. And I think many churches have done this inadvertently or they yeah. didn't intend it that way, but yeah. they kind of have their normal, you know, nice couple small groups mm-hmm. and then they have their women's retreat. And then once in a while, like off on the side in a totally different way, they're like, and then we do this sexual integrity one-on-one thing and, yeah. and the way you find out about it is different and, and everything about it just yeah. feels different, which yeah. I think communicates a lot. People are like, oh, normal churchgoers, you know, are the normal right. Christians, they do all these normal things. But yeah. those of us that have this different struggle, you yeah. know, it's, we've talked about it before on the podcast. It's like when you refer to sexual issues as being a problem that those people, that problem for those people versus really creating an environment of saying all of us Mm -hmm. are growing in Christ. We're growing in our relationships. We're growing in our finances and we need to grow in our sexuality, become more like God created us to be. And so here's how we disciple people in our church. And yes, there's prayer meetings and there's small groups and sexual integrity 101 is a tool that we use. And so I think the the where you present it is much less important than how, yeah. because when it's seen as one of the ways that we train and disciple people, then when people choose to be a part of that group, mm-hmm. they're they're still on plan, yep. so to speak. Like yep. this this is what our church does. Yep. So I think however you yeah. can communicate that where it fits, it's like we've seen some churches put it with the men's ministry and the women's ministry. Others put it under a discipleship ministry. Mm-hmm. Others put it as part of their small group ministry. Others put it as part of a recovery ministry or a care pastor or the, the where you end up organizing it and placing it in your church isn't as important as how it feels to people. Yeah. And if the only place they can hear about it or find the information is if they make a, a phone call to a pastor, through a pastor, to this <laughs> secret kind of meeting, I mean, it, it already feels like, what, what yeah. am I doing here? I right. don't know. I don't know what's going on. Right. Versus they see it on a list of things mm-hmm. that your church does regularly. Yeah. That's a, a real game changer. So yeah. uh, really, again, to say the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. It's part of your discipleship process. Yeah. And I think we're going to touch on this question specifically in this series of running effective groups. Um, and I think that it's important um, really to know that this is offering an aspect that helps us holistically disciple people. You know, that um, when I was born, I was born as a sexual being, a spiritual being, a physical being, a sexual being. And so for me to take one of those things out means that there is going to be an area of my discipleship that's lacking. And so I think we need to understand that we need to train our people holistically. And what I love is the world that we live in and the churches that we're a part of, I think we're starting to see that shift where there is an acceptance or um, maybe some more education and information that's being ingested about mental health, about spiritual health, the impact that physical health has on those things as well. And then also included in that is sexual health. And so I think that this fitting into a discipleship model really emphasizes the need for a holistic model of discipleship. It can't just be how much information do you know about the Bible and can you read Greek? And if you can, good for you, that's impressive. But like, does that have an impact on your sexual health as well? Yeah, it's it's really interesting to me that in a lot of ways in the 21st century, we are in danger of the same flaw that really plagued the first century church, and that's Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. Because Gnosticism was a belief that really separated spirit and body mm-hmm. and everything spiritual was good and everything physical was bad. Yeah. And that divide in a lot of way ruined the church um, because it, it undermined uh, Christ coming in a physical body, yeah. Christ sacrificing himself for us. Yeah. 
And in the 21st century, the ways in which we have divided our sexuality from our spirituality is kind of doing the same thing. It's like, well, anything to do with my body and these bodily functions like sex and and all of that, that's not really spiritual. God doesn't really care about that. He just wants my heart. You know, Mm. we use the word heart as kind of this nebulous soul (laughs) thing. Right. When really, I think if we look um, biologically, the heart is our brain, where we feel, where we have emotions and thought and memory and romance. Like that's yep. those are brain functions. Yep. So that's very much an embodied part of us. And mm-hmm. I I think healthy discipleship is reattaching sexuality to spirituality, yep. helping the whole church see God cares about what happens to your body and yep. how you use your body. Yep either glorifies God or doesn't. And so Mm -hmm. if we can bring uh, back together and not have this unhealthy dualism, we're going to see, I think, people growing in Christ in a lot of ways because they they do see as they address their sexuality, like, oh, my my body matters to God and and how I use my body. And it just, it it will fuel discipleship in all other areas. And that's something I've just seen over and over. I've seen it in my personal life. When I got healthy sexually, it unlocked new layers of my relationship with the Lord, hands down. Like there's no arguing that for me. And so I think that that is a really important piece to consider for sure. And then another practical thing just to add is this is one of the reasons why we offer church membership is this is another potential next step for churches is how do I actually create this as a part of our church structure? How do I have... You know, in a church membership, you can go to puredesire.org slash membership. We'll have it in the show notes as well. But you can go and see that there are these different levels that you can have creating access to Sexual Integrity 101 and creating access to our group leader training that equips people to lead Pure Desire groups, including Sexual Integrity 101, and then offers training. It gives you discounts to events and products, and it becomes something that your church is embracing as a whole. And so I think that's another practical thing to consider as you are running groups and as you want to run more effective groups as you move forward is considering the membership piece too. Yeah. Yeah, great idea. Well, Trevor, as people have been thinking through this with us, uh, we want to wrap up with kind of our what, what are your, your best tips on running effective Sexual Integrity 101 groups in our churches? Um, it's basically just reemphasizing two things that I feel like we've already talked about. In, in my opinion, running multiple Sexual Integrity 101 groups every single year is one of the tips I would give. It just, it's something that's going to catch more people at different times during the year. It's going to create it as a part of that rhythm that you have for your church. Um, And I think it just puts it front and center that this is not something that we just talk about once a year, like a relationships or marriage series. It's something that we're devoted to as a church to cover and to really offer healing and recovery for our church. And then the second thing is, is continue to position this course as a training on sexual integrity, not to solve problems in your marriage, not to solve your addiction to you know, pornography or to heal the effect of the affairs that you've had, but to position this as training for sexual integrity, because that is inviting for someone who is struggling. It's inviting for someone who is experiencing betrayal trauma, and it's inviting to a parent or a leader who wants to help other people and be that support. And so I think just continuing to position this as training for sexual integrity will continue to, I guess, widen the funnel more and more to catch more people as you continue to do it. Yeah. Yeah, what I thought of, and obviously this is somewhat determined by your role in the church and the amount of connection you have, but the the more that this can get championed from people on the stage, mm. whether a staff member, a lead pastor, it just opens the doors for everyone to go, oh, this is actually safe to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, an example being, I, I know at a local church in our area a couple weeks ago, they've been going through a series on the you know the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and they did you know 
um, thou shalt not commit adultery. And one of their staff pastors preached on that. And at the end, he brought up one of their pure desire group leaders who yep. shared some of their story. Yep. And, and in that moment for this significant leader in the church to say, so if, if this is an area for you, connect with one of these groups. Yep. He, he just made it safe for that whole church yep. to connect with one of those groups because yep. it was on stage. Yep. It was someone they've heard from for years and trusted. Mm-hmm. And then another man that most of them knew who said, I've gone through, it's changed my life. Yep. It's like, just the difference that makes versus mm-hmm. if they had only you know put it in their bulletin once in a while yeah, down on the right. lower right corner, yep. it, it, people might have still heard about it. Right. But they're asking, I think, at a deep level, like if I go to this, and if I were to open up and say I actually need it for my own health, mm-hmm. am I going to be sidelined? Am I going to be shamed? Am I going to be looked at differently? Yeah. Those questions, even if uh, we feel like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would everyone? Fe- well, realize for anyone stuck in it, what they're feeling is not logical. What mm-hmm. they're feeling is not rational. Yeah. It's being driven yeah. by years yeah. of secrecy, shame, fear. Mm-hmm. And so just whatever you can do to champion and create that safe space. And so if, if you're the volunteer who maybe doesn't get to decide what's announced or how, I think finding ways to cast that vision mm-hmm. or to even bring this up or mention this podcast or yeah. even just share the two minutes of this podcast uh, can make a real difference. The way that yeah. it's championed, the way that it's expressed. And then um, I, I think as well, yeah, I, th- I thought of the phrase, normalize the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, just yep. it, it, sometimes when, when we start to talk about anything sexual in the church, our tone changes, our facial expressions change, it gets serious. And, mm-hmm. and, and these are serious issues in terms of the impact it has on people's lives. But I, I think that, that feel, it just again, like, I don't know if I want to go to that. It feels really yeah. serious. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, we did a lot of things when I was a pastor to to make it fun um, in terms of there. One night we did a chili cook-off before yeah. we watched Sexual Integrity 101. We yeah. did uh, a, a chicken wings competition. We just did things like- Why didn't I go that, to your church? I know. We, it's <laughs> like I would use food to bribe people all the time. It's a good bribing. But that's what I mean. Like it, it kind of yeah. had this feel like this was a cool, fun thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Chili cook-off and then we watched yeah. the videos versus- yeah. It it's in some you know classroom I can't even find mm-hmm. and yeah. who's I you know the the more that it's kind of there's the unknown and the mystery totally. it just it makes yeah. it hard for people to come when you can yeah. normalize it make it fun mm-hmm. make it something that's an energizing kind yeah. of feel like this is going to be so good for us mm-hmm. to learn and grow yeah I think just that mindset can help people get over those hurdles that maybe they're feeling because. Yeah. Even if we don't struggle, I think most people in the church do carry some some shame about sexual things totally. and some awkwardness of how do I bring this up in church, even if it's not my own struggle. Yeah. It just it's not a normal conversation for most people. And right. so, any ways that you as a volunteer or a church staff member can just make it a normal, mm-hmm. healthy conversation, I think will enable people to sign up and jump into a healing journey. Yeah, and you've talked about this a lot too. Um, that you can invite people to start this ministry. And, and that can create some of that momentum too. If this is a new thing that your church is starting, inviting people to help build this ministry up can also create some of that momentum and some of that excitement building into yeah. it for sure. I love the way that Rodney Wright, our friend, talks about it, that you know, he would announce and say, you know, if you've got a teenager in your house, you have to be here. Yeah. And the way that that gets you know, the moms in the room elbowing the dads going, well, you need to go to that. You need right. to, you know, for our sons or, you right. know, you need to make sure you, you know, we're, you're a leader in our home. And yeah. Uh, versus if we announce it, as we've talked about, you know, well, if you struggle, uh, you need to come to this group. Now the wife is sitting there skeptically like, does my husband need to go? Right. Should I ask him? Yeah. This is an awkward conversation. Totally. You know, it, it just changes the dynamics. Yeah, so I does. love that idea. Like whatever you can do that gets parents, couples elbowing each other going, we need to go to that. Yep. 
uh, it's going to be a good thing. Absolutely. So the Sexual Integrity 101 course is a perfect introductory course for your church to really open the doors to recovery and healing. This course can be informative to people just wanting help, and it can give hope to men and women struggling with unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. And we hope really from our conversation today that you consider running this course in your church, and it'll it'll diminish shame, it'll educate your people, and really help your community take their lives back from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. So, uh, Nick, obviously we believe in this course and we want people to do it. Thanks for the conversation today, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad we could do it. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and begin the healing journey today. If this podcast is helpful on your journey, please share it with others. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and drop us a review. It helps others find the podcast. Each week, we're putting out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, never stop being healthy. Here's what's coming up next week on the Pure Desire podcast. Without guidance, without a plan, then um, it's going to end up in divorce about 75% of the time. That's not who I am. Why do I respond that way in those certain situations? He's not doing that behavior anymore. So why aren't you having sex? It feels like death and they don't want to die, but they, they don't want to stay in that much pain. And their only other option left is divorce. A therapeutic separation is we're going to do all we can to stay married. This is a separation for the purpose of healing, not to see if we want to stay married or not. There's a reason why this person's a professional. They can handle that sort of information. They've done this before. They can help you through the process. I didn't realize how difficult it was for me to be alone. And unfortunately, in in betrayal, trauma, sexual addictions, the spouse ends up being the perceived threat. Spouse isn't the enemy, but it's the perceived threat. If I quote that verse, it could be very black and white in my head, and black and white is very easy, but this situation is not black and white, it's very gray.